Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. I've got a good one for you today. If you are anything like me, you're confused about zone two cardio. Maybe you've listened to some of the doctors and researchers recommending zone two cardio, and they have very convincing reasoning for why you should do it, some of which I will break down today. It's linked to improving metabolic health, making you more efficient at burning fat and reducing your risk of disease, and ultimately, it can make you live a longer, healthier life. And the benefit is that since zone two is at easier intensities, it's much easier on your body, on your joints, it's more enjoyable, and it's a lot more enjoyable than many of the than much of the cardio that we're used to being recommended, that kind of sweaty boot camp or spin classes that we typically try to focus on to burn calories. So these boot camp classes may not be providing the same metabolic benefits as zone two cardio, and they will likely leave your joints and body feeling wrecked. And I'm going to talk more about zone three cardio next week, which is more of that cardio that I'm talking about, that kind of breathless cardio that you can do for a long period of time that's higher calorie burning. So make sure that you tune back in next week for more on that. So if you've Listen to this list of benefits of zone two cardio, how it's easier on your body, how it's going to improve longevity, how it's going to improve your ability to burn fat. It really does seem like a no brainer for adding it into your routine. But here's the problem. The minimum effective dose that I've heard being recommended by these experts is three one hour sessions per week or four 45 minute sessions per week. And it's not like those sessions can be broken up. It seems that the sessions need to be continuous to receive the benefits, at least according to these experts. But for overall health and longevity, zone two cardio should not be the only type of exercise you're doing because it won't improve skeletal muscle mass and won't improve your body composition much. So that's a big time commitment. Three one-hour sessions per week is a big time commitment, and we don't just want to use our exercise time towards that type of exercise because it might not have as many impactful health benefits as resistance training and building muscle. So that's the thing is that you also need to be doing hypertrophy training, which does take a good chunk of time as well because for hypertrophy, you have to load each muscle group with enough volume. You have to take those sets close to failure. You have to work each muscle group one to two times a week. So it just seems like a lot. And if you're anything like me, you're like, there's no way I'm going to have time to focus on hypertrophy, building muscle, and on this zone two cardio thing if the sessions need to be 45 minutes to 60 minutes in order to even have any kind of impact. Now, there's also a flip side to this argument, which I think is interesting. Other researchers are saying, oh, women don't really need zone two cardio at all because women have a higher content of type one muscle fibers, which means they're better at oxidizing fat. And they already have this mitochondrial density because they have a higher percentage of type one muscle fibers. So they don't need to be doing zone two cardio at all. So where's the truth? (laughs) Where's the middle ground? What should we actually be doing? Here's my take before we dig into this. Number one, These researchers on both sides of the spectrum are likely looking at the exact same data. They're understanding the same processes from a metabolic and cellular standpoint, and yet they're still drawing different conclusions. So clearly there isn't a gold standard application that we can draw on right now. So I think that's important to understand is that there's no absolute way to apply this because there's no really any long-term studies. But what I can say is this, any exercise that forces you to adapt 
whether that be any type of cardio or strength training, is going to be beneficial for your metabolic health and longevity. Men, women, anyone, right? Any type of exercise that makes you more fit is going to be beneficial for you. I don't think that we need to be so black and white. I have a hard time believing that women couldn't benefit from zone two cardio as long as they're doing the hypertrophy work as well. But at the same time, I'm not implying that anything goes. I think there's definitely importance in understanding these processes so that we're spending our time in our workouts doing the things that are proactively moving us towards our goals without unnecessarily wearing down our bodies. I think a big missing component of all this is that it starts to get a bit it's excessive, right? Again, hypertrophy routine takes a good amount of time in your week. And according to these experts, so does zone two cardio. And we are not even getting into HIT, which I'll get into um, in two more episodes. So it's just a lot of time and potentially a lot for your body to recover from and potentially a lot for you to stay consistent with. For one, if you're following some of these recommendations from these doctors and researchers, doing three 60-minute zone two cardio sessions every week, hypertrophy training and HIT training, your body might have a hard time recovering and may end up feeling really beaten up and like a tin man. And what's the point of that? What's the point of all of this longevity from a cellular level if your body feels broken down and you don't feel like you have longevity in your joint health and you end up getting a knee replacement in 20 years? Additionally, you have to have pretty dialed nutrition and sleep in order to recover well from all this exercise because sleep and nutrition and overall lifestyle will have huge impacts on how you can recover from exercise. If you sleep seven to nine hours, get sufficient protein, eat a whole foods diet where you're eating enough enough to fuel your workouts, but not too much because you don't want to gain fat, but also limiting alcohol because that affects recovery and also meditating because you're a stress ball. I mean, there's just so many things that someone can do to have an optimal routine. And it just ends up being really time consuming and taking over your whole life. But what if there is much less, but still very intentional work that we can do on top of a reasonable, minimally processed diet and high protein diet, on top of prioritizing sleep, on top of maybe living your life and having some occasional alcohol, nothing super frequent, but having this overall balanced lifestyle where it's just more reasonable and you can see much of the health and longevity benefits, but still enjoy your life and not feel like you got hit by a truck along the way because you know it's not good for your longevity, stressing about keeping an optimal routine. If you can't live your life because you're worried about training enough and eating perfectly and sleeping nine hours, is that really giving you the space to enjoy your life and the things that matter to you? Maybe, maybe not. What we see from people who live the longest in in the blue zones is that it's not necessarily that they have perfect routines. They have connection in their lives. They have community. They are active, but they're not super active, They and they drink red wine. So clearly they have something figured out, and I do think that it has to do more with balance, social connection, living your life. And if trying to optimize your routine is at risk of you living your life, then I I think those benefits are going to cancel each other out. So I think in short, if all of this health optimization stuff puts more mental stress on you and is overwhelming to you, I think that you've missed the plot completely. Now, not to say that you shouldn't do zone two cardio. There may be a point where you get consistent with the basics and you've got your hypertrophy routine down, you've got your walking routine down, and you feel like you have the space to add more, in which case I'm here for that. 
but thinking that you're falling behind if you don't do everything perfectly is just not true. Okay, so that was my long intro, but I think important intro about zone two cardio and how we don't have to obsess about doing it perfectly. So today I do want to discuss zone two cardio and the benefits and how to add it if you feel like you have the capacity. But then I want to discuss some interesting literature around how strength training in certain ways can offer a lot of the zone two cardio benefits and be more of like a catch-all as far as longevity and offering metabolic benefits that can keep you healthy, make you live longer, and even help move you towards your goals of body composition if you have them. It may not completely replace all of all of the benefits of zone two cardio or to the same extent, but it's going to put you light years ahead in your longevity if you can stay consistent with this. So let's start with zone two cardio. Zone two cardio, what is it? It's a steady state, easy cardio activity that you could sustain for a long period of time. Depending on who you talk to, it's like five or six out of 10 effort. So easy activity that is about 60 to 70% of your heart rate max. Really, it's the point at which your body is using oxygen and burning fat, but has not yet produced lactate as a byproduct. So for some people that may be at lower heart rate zones than others, which is why it may not be the best to go on your heart rate. And a more reliable way to test if you're in zone two cardio is a talk test and to see if you can breathe in and out through your nose. So you know that you're in zone two cardio if you could nasal breathe, so breathe in and out through your nose, but it's becoming challenging. You can can speak or sing, but it's getting difficult to do so. If you feel like you have to pause every three words, you've likely entered into zone three and you aren't going to get the same adaptations. And I'm going to talk more about zone three cardio next week. Zone two cardio has received a lot of attention lately and for good reason. It's easy on your system. It doesn't make you feel wrecked or exhausted. It improves your cardiovascular health. It improves mitochondrial density, all which can make you more metabolically flexible. What is metabolic flexibility and why should we care about this? Being more metabolically flexible allows you to use fat as fuel more efficiently, even when you aren't exercising. People who are metabolically flexible and have more efficient mitochondria burn fat at rest more than those who are less metabolically flexible. People that have less metabolic flexibility are more likely to burn glucose and sugar than they are to use their own fat stores. But it's not just that. When you have more mitochondrial efficiency, you decrease free radical damage. Free radicals are little byproducts that cause oxidative stress in your body, which in short, oxidative stress can cause damage to your cells and this can accumulate and eventually cause uh, disease and increase aging. So for longevity, we want to keep ourselves metabolically flexible and improve the efficiency and the density of our mitochondria. This is why exercise is not just about burning fat or calories in the moment while you're doing the workout. It's about training smarter to create more robust internal machinery so your body can do the work for you outside of your workout, which is where you're spending most of your time. If you create a body that can use fat as fuel more easily, you will have an easier time staying lean, you'll have more energy, and you'll reduce your risk of disease and improve your longevity. Let's back up a bit. And I've been mentioning mitochondria. Let's back up a bit and talk about why we should talk why we should care about mitochondrial health. Mitochondria are 
the organelle in certain cells like muscle cells that are responsible for producing energy. Without this energy, the cell can't do its specific function. Some cells have more mitochondria than others, and the number of mitochondria in your cells, otherwise known as mitochondrial density, can be increased or decreased. It's really awesome. You can also increase the size of each mitochondria as well as its efficiency. So the more mitochondria and the larger our mitochondria and the more efficient our mitochondria, the healthier our metabolic health because the better we can produce energy and serve our cells. Metabolic health refers to how well systems like metabolism, hormone regulation, energy production, cell cleanup, and inflammation, how all of those processes operate. That is overall metabolic health. In other words, the more mitochondria we have, the better our metabolic health, the higher our energy, the faster and more efficient our metabolism, which means we reduce signs of aging, we feel better, and we can reduce the risk of disease. We can create more mitochondria, which is called mitochondrial biogenesis, with exercise and diet too, but this is an exercise podcast, so we're going to mainly talk about exercise. Having more mitochondria is important because it makes you more metabolically flexible, which I just talked about, and you can switch between fuel sources easily, which means just everything in your body functions better. So in short, we want to have healthier mitochondria so that your metabolism functions better and makes you more metabolically flexible. You know you're metabolically flexible if you have high energy levels, your energy is stable, and you don't feel like you crash midday. Your appetite is regulated. You don't get hangry or have crazy cravings. You have good focus and memory. All of these things are, in, are indications that you're metabolically flexible. You may be metabolically inflexible if you have any of these symptoms. And by the way, these symptoms are also related to insulin resistance, which we talk about in detail with Catherine on last week's episodes. It's episode number 147, so go back and listen to that. But you might be metabolically inflexible if you have low energy, if you have like a crash midday if you have weight gain or trouble with weight loss, if you have crazy cravings or hunger, all of those might be indications that you're metabolically inflexible and can benefit from improving your mitochondrial efficiency, your mitochondrial density, and therefore your metabolic flexibility. Mitochondrial dysfunction and lower metabolic flexibility is not only linked to how you feel and body composition, but it's also linked to diseases of aging, such as diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer, and so much more. So we want to be more metabolically flexible. We want our mitochondria to be healthy. And it makes sense. If you're healthy at the cellular level, you as a whole will function better, age better, and feel better. So with all of that said, how does zone two cardio play into this? How does zone two cardio affect your metabolic flexibility? Zone 2 cardio has received a lot of attention recently because it increases mitochondrial efficiency and potentially mitochondrial density. This is because zone 2 cardio is that point in which you're stimulating your type 1 muscle fibers at the maximum capacity using your aerobic system, so using fat as fuel. Your type 1 muscle fibers are the richest in mitochondria. So by stressing these fibers aerobically, you can improve the efficiency and potentially the number of mitochondria within those cells. Having better mitochondrial efficiency will also improve your metabolic flexibility. Your body will be able to switch from burning fatty acids to glucose with ease. 
Again, this is not only important for your overall health, but it might improve your body composition inadvertently because you're able to use fat as fuel instead of relying on glucose. I know I'm saying a lot of this stuff over and over, but I think it's important to hammer these benefits home. Zone two cardio does burn fat during the activity, but I think people get too caught up with that because it's very minimal and really should not be focused on. It's more about how that exercise, that form of exercise is affecting your internal machinery that has a powerful impact on your metabolism and overall health when you're not exercising. Zone two cardio also has valuable adaptations for your cardiovascular system. So it's not just about your metabolic health. It's also about your heart health. Zone two cardio improves stroke volume, which is a key determinant in your heart's ability to deliver blood to the body. We all know the importance of heart health for longevity, but it can also improve the results for your, from your training, from your strength training, hypertrophy training, which can kind of snowball all of this, right? And make all of your efforts just more effective and efficient. This is because when you have better aerobic capacity, your lifting performance improves. Your heart can more effectively deliver blood and oxygen to your working muscles. You'll notice that if you add in some low-intensity cardio, you might be limited less by your cardio during your strength sessions. You'll find that instead of stopping an exercise because you're huffing and puffing and you're just gassed, you stop an exercise because the muscle is what's stopping you. And that is very important for hypertrophy and building muscle is that the muscle is what's stopping you, nothing else. So all of these are great things, right? And very convincing. Again, these um, things are what the researchers and doctors are presenting to convince you to invest in zone two cardio. But here's the issue with zone two cardio is that it's time consuming. And I believe this has to yet be completely validated by research But some experts recommend three one-hour sessions of zone two cardio per week or four 45-minute sessions per week, and that's the minimum effective dose that they're recommending. They also state that those sessions, again, shouldn't be broken up. They need to be continuous to see the benefits. Also, in order to maintain those metabolic adaptations that I just talked about, you have to stay consistent with that routine. It's not like you can do it for a couple of months and then stop and still continue to see the benefits. As soon as you start to pull back or taper back, you start to lose the metabolic benefits. Not to say that you can't get them back, but it's important to understand that when adding zone two training, you're committing to that type of training being in your life for the long haul. It's not a short-term challenge, which can be overwhelming for some people. Now, is zone two cardio the only way to improve mitochondrial density, efficiency, improve your metabolic flexibility, and improve your cardiovascular health? Do women have to do zone two cardio? Zone two cardio will benefit women and improve their fitness, but it doesn't have to be the priority and maybe shouldn't be the priority if you don't have the time and capacity to at least commit to hypertrophy training and walking and just staying overall active. Having more muscle, specifically more of your type 1 muscle fibers, will improve mitochondrial density. Having more muscle will improve VO2 max. The act of circuit training can improve VO2 max. Having more muscle will improve your insulin sensitivity, your metabolic flexibility. It will provide better bone density. It is really, really important for all of us to focus on a hypertrophy routine that's at least maintaining, if not building muscle mass, which is going to take a commitment each and every week. And one reason why I love a focus on building muscle is that it's harder to lose than cardiovascular adaptations. 
cardio is easier come, easier go than muscle. So if you're investing in the bank by building muscle because if life inevitably happens and you have to back off, it's going to take a lot more for you to lose your gains than if you are doing cardio training. Because cardio, you can lose the adaptations within just like a week or so, whereas muscle takes a lot longer than that. Now, gaining muscle takes time. It takes structure. It takes enough protein. It takes the proper effort. In case you're new around here, here's a rough framework for building muscle. You want to use an exercise where you can get close to failure. And you can do a large rep rep scheme. Anywhere from 5 to 30 reps can build muscle as long as you are approaching muscular failure to the point where you can no longer complete that exercise. You don't have to get all the way there, but maybe three reps or less shy of failure. So like three reps or less in reserve before you couldn't complete that exercise with good form. Number two is that you want to work each muscle group one to two times per week on non-consecutive days. And then number three is that you need to eat a high protein diet, 0.75 to one grams of protein per pound of body mass. Remember that if you're not adding this, you might be putting in the work in your workout, but you're not going to be seeing the results because your body doesn't have enough amino acids to be building that new tissue. So that's really, really important. So with all that said, let's discuss some interesting literature around strength training and mitochondrial density and even aerobic capacity. Strength training and cardio have traditionally been separated. Like you've got to do strength training to build the muscle and you've got to do cardio to for the metabolic benefits and for your heart health. We thought that strength training and resistance training mainly stimulates myofibular proteins and aerobic training mainly stimulated mitochondrial proteins. What we're finding is that there's more crossover between those two types of exercise than we once thought. It's not that black and white. Lifting can improve mitochondrial density and certain types of lifting can even cause improvements or lead to improvements in aerobic capacity. So let's start by discussing how lifting and what types of lifting can improve mitochondrial density. And then we'll get into aerobic capacity a little bit too. So an interesting review broke down how lifting with lighter weights but higher time under tension, so like 20 slow reps taken close to failure, can increase mitochondrial biogenesis and mitochondrial volume. This is because of the higher metabolic stress. If you think about it, like those 20 reps really burn. They're really hard. Higher metabolic stress, which leads to aerobic and oxidative adaptations, similar to what could be found from doing cardio. In fact, this lower load, higher rep training, 20 to 30-ish reps taken close to failure, can improve strength, it can improve endurance, it can improve hypertrophy so it can build muscle, and it can possibly have similar benefits to the muscles from a metabolic standpoint and from a mitochondrial density standpoint as that zone two cardio. In fact, one study said that older populations with cardiovascular disease who did low load resistance training were shown to have less adverse cardiovascular complications than those who just did aerobic exercise. So it's important to note that this research is emerging, but I think it's promising and may help people use their time wisely if they have limited time to exercise and want to pick something that will kind of have the biggest bang for your buck. Another way to train to receive potential aerobic benefits and also build muscle at the same time is by adding in drop sets into your resistance training workout. So a drop set 
is a set of lower load, higher reps that you do for a given muscle group immediately following a heavier lift. So for example, let's say you're doing 12 sets of bicep curls with 20 pounds and you approach that failure point around that 12 rep mark. You immediately drop the 20 pounds, grab 10 pounds, and then do 30 more reps getting close to failure. That second exercise is the drop set, and we use these a lot in Evlo. Although this is speculative, drop sets may have similar adaptations that are typically only associated with aerobic training. With a drop set, you have increased metabolic stress, you have increased ischemia, and increased hypoxia. These things may be key factors that lead to peripheral adaptations that are intrinsic in aerobic training, such as vascularization, blood flow, and mitochondrial biogenesis. So in short, this higher rep, lower load training, but still taken close to failure, can not only build muscle, but it can have a lot of the adaptations that are typically only associated with zone 2 cardio. So is this lower load, high rep training a catch-all? In some ways, it may be. If you're using that higher rep scheme, taking those lifts close to failure, you might see that muscle growth. But keep in mind that if you're going much higher than about 30 reps, that likely isn't effective for muscle growth. I don't want people to hear me and think that like, oh, that means I just need to do Pilates only or super high rep training only. That's not what I'm saying. You still do need to get close to failure in you know under 30-ish reps. But It is promising to hear that, oh, I can do this type of training and kind of see a lot of the same benefits as I were to break up like heavy lifting and add in zone two cardio. Because of the higher time under tension in these longer sets, you may also see some of the cellular adaptations that you'd see from zone two training. So that mitochondrial efficiency and potential improvements in aerobic capacity. I'll talk more about this in part three of this series because I'm going to do um, a second one about walking, and then I'm going to do a third one about um, higher intensity cardio. But lifting can also improve things that are typically only associated with HIT. So lifting, especially circuit training, is shown to improve VO2 max and cardiovascular health. So one interesting study showed that a superset which is where you do one exercise for one group and then a muscle group and then immediately follow that exercise with another exercise for a different muscle group. So let's say you're working chest, doing chest presses, and then you immediately follow that by doing rows or kickstand rows for your upper back. So superset type training is particularly effective at increasing VO2 max. This is how we structure every class in Evlo. And the reason this is this will improve VO2 max more than maybe traditional strength workout is because your heart rate stays elevated throughout the workout. You aren't resting in between exercises like traditional strength training. So you aren't like doing chest presses and then waiting for three minutes, letting your heart rate completely come down. So it keeps your heart rate elevated. So it can have lead to improvements in VO2 max. So I'll get more into that in, um, not the episode next week, but the week after. So combine this lower load resistance training taken close to failure with circuit set, circuit or superset type training. And now you get a lifting routine that is checking a lot of the boxes for your overall metabolic health while still improving your body composition. Now, am I giving you permission to throw cardio out the window? Absolutely not. I want to encourage you to stay as active as your lifestyle allows and as you can recover from. And as you get more fit or as you maybe start to hit a wall with your training because you're consistent with hypertrophy training, you're consistent with your walking, you may feel like you have the capacity and interest to lace in zone two training on top of your hypertrophy work. 
But I think it gets overwhelming when we hear all these health optimizations experts saying that you have to do at least three hours of zone two a week plus all of the strength work to build the muscle. It could just feel like a lot, and I think people end up doing nothing or end up doing it all and struggle to recover and progress. So start by prioritizing the hypertrophy work because you're going to see overall amazing benefits when you can build that lean muscle. Add in some walks to keep your overall activity expenditure high. More on this next week. And then focus on protein and whole foods, and that's going to be immensely beneficial for your health and allow you to move towards body composition goals. Remember, if fat loss is your goal, you do have to be in a calorie deficit, which is how you're eating. That's not the primary focus of this episode, but I always just want to remind you that exercise is not going to be this magic pill and it's not going to be the primary driver of fat loss that has to mainly come from your nutrition. But let's say you're ready to add in zone two cardio because zone two cardio can improve your lifting performance and it's going to have unique benefits like increasing stroke volume, which is going to make you overall more fit. So ideally, it's not one or the other. It's not strength training. I'm not pinning strength training and cardio against each other. Ideally, it's both. In fact, in a meta-analysis that I'll link in the show notes, strength training improved risk of all-cause mortality, so dying, by 21%. But lifting and cardio improved risk of all-cause mortality by 40%. So you want to do both if you can. But remember, you have to be willing to add this in for the rest of your life because it's a use it or lose it system. But if you're at a point where you're consistent with resistance training, you're keeping your walk, your movement high, you're adding in walks, then adding in zone two cardio slowly might be a next great step. The goal is to work up to 150 or 200 minutes per week. That might be a brisk walk. Um, if you if walking can get you in that 60 to 70% heart rate range where you can still breathe in and out through your nose, but you're struggling to breathe in and out through your nose, you could maybe take a lower intensity spin class. You can take our low impact cardio burst class or our ebb flow class. Um, you could go for a jog walk, whatever. I hesitate to recommend just any group fitness class because there are so many different forms of group fitness. And most group fitness classes, if you're following the instructor, are going to put you in that zone three training, maybe, maybe a little more zone four, which I'll talk about more next week. And honestly, many of those group fitness classes are trashing your body and potentially interfering with recovery. So I hesitate to recommend just any group fitness class. Um, but I do think that spin could be one that you could add in if you, if you like to go to group fitness or if you have a Peloton or whatever, adding in a spin class. Now you want to do spin in your zone two. So that might mean that you have to ignore the (laughs) cues from the instructor who's probably going to push you to go really hard. And you want to stay at the point throughout the entire class where you can breathe in and out through your nose, but you're maybe wanting to start breathing out through your mouth. You could still maintain a conversation, but maybe it's not getting super comfortable to do so. So if you found that, okay, now I have to breathe in and out through my mouth, you probably left zone two and you've gotten into zone three. So you need to back off the intensity a little bit. So you can, if you want to go to the spin class just for the music and to have fun and the community and add that in, you know, one, two times a week, I think that's great, but make it your own and just dial the resistance of the bike down or whatever so that you can stay in that zone two cardio. You can do zone two cardio with just a ton of different types of movement. And if you already have a walking routine, maybe challenge yourself to pick up the pace a little bit or add hills or even kind of jog walk and start practicing some of this zone two. Remember that it doesn't need to be perfect to be impactful. I personally am not 
doing three or four (laughs) zone two sessions per week for 45 to 60 minutes. I really just walk, which we'll talk about again next week in more detail. How I'm going to play with zone two is I'm going to keep my 10 to 30 minute walks most days of the week, something I've been doing and staying consistent with for years now. But I'm also going to play with picking up my pace a little bit. I really enjoy taking our low-impact cardio burst classes. They're kind of choreographed beat-to-movement classes. Um, I just think they're more fun, and they definitely put me in zone two. They're only 15 minutes, so I might play with layering a couple of those classes, one on top of the other, and doing that maybe one day a week or something like that. So that's how I plan to start kind of incorporating some of the stuff into my routine. But here's the bottom line. Yes, zone two can be impactful, and yes, it can be impactful for women too. If you have the capacity to play with some zone two, do it. But should it be prioritized over strength training? No, I don't think so. Because strength training and building muscle is going to improve metabolic flexibility, bone density, lean mass, and so much more that zone two cardio is not going to do. Cardio is not going to build significant lean mass, which is a piece that's really crucial for longevity and overall body composition and health. So that is it. Wow, that was a lot. (laughs) I hope that you stuck with me and I hope you got the bottom line, which is um, any type of any type of training that improves your fitness is going to be good for you as long as you can sustain it, as long as it's not breaking down your body, as long as it's enjoyable and it's not interfering with your overall life, then I say at it. Okay, so this episode is was a beast for me to do. It was a lot of research and I had to really understand different points of view in order to to distill this stuff down into applicable um, takeaways for you all. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the podcast, if you don't already, um, share it with a friend or share it on social media. That would be a huge help to me. And please leave a review if you haven't already. And then lastly, if you want to join my fitness program, it's called Evlo Fitness. We do this um, lower load, higher rep training, circuit, circuit and superset style in almost every single class. So it can be a great way for you to start to build muscle, feel better, and start to move yourself towards those longevity and body composition goals if you have them. All right, everyone, that is it. We will see you next week where we'll talk about walking, same time, same place. Bye for now.